All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscali. Thanks for joining me on this preview edition of the show. This one is a little bit unlike any of the others that we've done so far this year. And the fact that things are still completely up in the air as to whether or not the Bills star quarterback, Josh Allen, will be on the field for them against the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. And certainly some intrigue around the entire situation. We'll get into all of that, what it might look like with or without him. And then some other things about the team that I, that I think uh, we could see um, in, in this upcoming game. And then we'll of course get to our prediction of the game, but uh, certainly it uh, is not going according to plan based on how I'm sure fans wanted to go toe to toe with the Minnesota Vikings who are seven and one on the season. Their only loss coming to the undefeated Eagles and the Vikings really um, just getting close win after close win. Their last six games have all been victories and all of them have been by one possession so it would have been uh, an intriguing matchup between, and it still will be, but if uh, Josh Allen were fully healthy and ready to go, but the simple fact of the matter is we just don't know yet. So normally on these preview podcasts, I usually record them on Friday morning. Um, you know, there's sometimes some injury stuff that could pop up between me recording and, and uh, you know, between that point and the end of the weekend. But, you know, usually we're in a pretty good spot to to understand what the team might be looking at. But today had to wait until after practice, after we heard from Sean McDermott, after we saw um, everything, you know, the, the brief three minutes of practice that media is able to see on Fridays. And then, of course, heading into the open locker room to, you know, just, just observe, see what... Uh, see if you can learn anything from from that but i think the the real point of distinction here is that everyone to a man is keeping things as tight-lipped as possible as it as it pertains to josh allen and his status for sunday you know we have seen some you know cautious optimism in reports out there that maybe he would be able to practice or, you know, that he's, I think it was Mike Garofolo of NFL Network that that said uh, Allen has expressed confidence to his teammates that he would be able to play this weekend. But, I mean, what else is he going to say? And even, even that report was like, well, you know, still a long week to go to see what happens. So just to go through what has happened, what has transpired this week with Josh Allen. Obviously, he suffers the elbow injury on Sunday against the Jets on his third to last play. Um, It's an injury that I didn't really go into too in-depth on the post-game show just because the game was a little bit bigger than that and we still had not known anything to that point as to whether or not he would practice or anything like that. But now we have some information. We have some actions that we can kind of maybe not even try and figure out what he'll what they'll do this week this weekend but at least have a little bit more of an informed conversation about it 
So Sunday suffers the injury, third to last play. Uh, on his last play, he heaves the 70-yarder, and that was one where people, go, some people went, well, if he can do that, then he should be good to go. But then the uh, then the practice week begins, and we don't get anything substantial from McDermott on Monday. On Wednesday, he called it day-to-day. Uh, Josh Allen did not practice on Wednesday. It is my understanding that uh, he was on the field with his teammates um, in the early part of stretching, left the field once media got in there. Or I think that's because we did not see him out there. And so that would probably be the reason. And then after that, uh, after the media viewing portion was done, um, he probably rejoined his teammates because after practice, he um, left the field with the team. So conceivably, he w- he was out there. Same sort of story for Thursday, where Allen was not out there during the media viewing portion, but after practice, he left the field with, with his teammates, um, was wearing like a, a sleeve or something on his right arm, and uh, you know, was wearing a baseball cap, no helmet in sight or anything like that um, as he was walking off the field. So that was Thursday. And then Friday, you know, usually Sean McDermott, if they are comfortable in thinking that a certain player will, uh, a certain player will, will or will not play, um, McDermott will, you know, give that indication for guys that are out more than anything. Uh, on Friday morning, and McDermott declared both Jordan Poyer and Greg Rousseau out for the game, but declined to give any sort of game status for Josh Allen. He didn't rule him out, but also didn't say he would play. And then, you know, we had to see whether or not the um, the Bills would... Uh, whether or not the Bills would put him out there for practice, which was just about an hour later. You know, this is kind of hilarious running through this this whole week, but you know, people are interested about this, the minutia of it. Um, and we did not see him out there, even though the McDermott kind of left the door open leading up to practice, calling it you know day by day, hour by hour, to see if he could actually get out there. So he was not out there in the three minutes that the media could see practice or three to five, I'll say, um, on Fridays. And all we get from a media perspective on those Fridays is the stretching line. And that's it. Just enough time to take attendance, see who's out there, and then get out. So, for instance, like, you know, Tremaine Edmonds was out there on the practice field on Friday after not practicing on Wednesday and Thursday. Kair Elam was in the stretching line, but did not have his helmet and was wearing sneakers when a lot of his other teammates were wearing cleats. Uh, so... There's that uh, there's that piece to it. And then Josh Allen was just not out there whatsoever with his teammates. But that has been the what we have grown accustomed to uh, over the course of the week. I just don't really want the attention all on him, even though it is. Um, and they don't want cameras on him, even though they still are after the practice. Uh, John Scott from Spectrum actually got a great video of after practice right as media was allowed into the field house to, to go to open locker room for interviews. And it showed Allen basically spotting the media, walking in, picking up his stuff and then running away. Now 
I know people are kind of trying to break down that whole video. I mean, he did not have that same sleeve that he had on 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 Wednesday and Thursday. I know some are alluding to him grabbing for a helmet, uh, but you know, I asked John myself. Uh, I'm like, okay, who? Uh, because the helmet was in motion right at the start of the video, and if you go on Twitter, you'll be able to find it. It's it's uh, John Scott who who works for Spectrum. Spectrum. And the helmet was moving as the video was starting. So I just asked him, okay, who threw that helmet? And it was Case Keenum. So maybe that helmet that Alan like most grabbed at for a second was just to move it out of the way to grab his stuff. Maybe it landed on his stuff because he picked up a bunch of things, one of which was a baseball cap and and some other stuff. So, you know, for what it's worth. Um, I'm recording this at 2.34. I'm expecting that at some point of me recording this episode, the actual injury report will come out for the game and we'll get to figure out what uh, what everything will be uh, for this game. But certainly it's the Bills haven't ran away from the speculation that maybe Allen could be good to go. And, you know, that that's a frustrating thing for the opposing team. But, you know, be it as it may, it's it's uh, one situation that they have to deal with. So the big question is, will he or won't he play? I mean, he he did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. With him not being out there at the start of the session on Friday, you'd seem to it would seem to indicate that he did not practice on Friday either. Have to see the official designation, but I think more than anything. Um, the, what you can draw on from the Bills in general is how careful they have been with their injured players for basically the entire season this year, and they've been doing a lot more of it in recent years. Like some, sometimes you'll see teams allow the players to gut through it and and do what they need to do, and I think even the Bills. Yeah, they had to feel fully comfortable with with Josh Allen, you know, fighting through a what was it a foot injury last year that he suffered against Tampa Bay, but uh, but he wound up playing the next game after getting a few practices in. This is a different ball game because it's it's, it's his throwing arm, it's his elbow. Uh, they want to keep and they want to prevent him from you know putting too much on it too early, of course. You know, it was reported that it's not a pain threshold thing. So that piece of the puzzle isn't there that Allen would normally push through. It's just a matter of them and Allen all feeling comfortable for him to be out there. So the fact that he did not get or what's looking like did not get any practice time out on the field is somewhat of a... Uh, Somewhat of a, a bad sign um, going into this week. The, I guess, if you're looking for a promising sign, the fact that it, that he didn't have that sleeve on on Friday and that they haven't ruled him out just yet, that's there. But knowing the importance of the entire game, or of the entire season, I should say, and realizing that the season, the playoffs are all bigger than 
just week 10 against the Vikings. I mean, this is a Vikings team that's good. They're 7-1, and one, but they also went out and invested uh, in a backup quarterback, a, an experienced backup quarterback for situations exactly like this one. The Vikings are not an AFC team. So while losing that game, if they were to lose without Josh Allen, would hamper them just by the win-loss record. It has no ramifications for uh, for tiebreakers. And they already own tiebreakers over you know, the other division-leading teams in the AFC. And if they, you know, the... Even if they were to lose and one of Miami or the Jets were to pass them, of course, the Dolphins and Jets currently have a tiebreaker over them, but the Bills have another opportunity against both of those teams. So just from the macro side of things, this game, grand scheme, not the most important of the season. They've got bigger ones down the stretch like all four division games are going to be huge Uh, the game against the Bengals in cincinnati uh just into uh january is a big one but the vikings game grand scheme not the hugest of priorities and I don't even know if the Bills would, would take it that far. They'd probably consider everything because why wouldn't they? It's their business. I think the, the most important thing is making sure Josh Allen is right all the way. I mean, they could have used Tredavious White in any of their last few games, but they didn't feel like it was the right timing from that perspective. So uh, this is a a little bit of a different story because it's not a a long-term injury that he, that Allen will be trying to come back from, but even still it's the same train of thought to where it's a star player. They want to do what is right by the player and for the long-term of their season, as opposed to just taking the, uh, low-hanging fruit and wanting a victory right right away. Because if Allen is in the lineup, he changes the complexion of of uh, what the what the Vikings are going or how the Vikings are going to defend them. So just so many different considerations from my perspective, based on all of the information that has been compiling. And just having, you know, a slight feel for how they've made decisions like this in the past. I am veering toward him not playing just because there are a lot there. There's a lot of indicators that would signal that it's not. It's probably not the week. And logically, it would make more sense to rest him than anything. But then there's the Josh factor, which is if he feels good and maybe gets in a throwing session on Saturday or, um, you know, maybe it wakes up on Sunday, the pain isn't gone or the pain's gone at everything that they um, that they want to keep intact 
from a structural perspective is is given the green light then maybe i i don't want to rule that that out of it completely because you know it's the franchise quarterback and a lot of times franchise quarterbacks star quarterbacks there there are a different set of rules about them especially when injuries are concerned so my guess is that he'll sit this one out but the good news for the bills is that you'll probably have a good indication by saturday because the bills would have to uh they would have to do the practice squad elevation of matt barkley by saturday afternoon and if they do that, that's probably a good indication that at the very least, this thing is going right up until kickoff or that uh, that they have decided that, you know, Josh is just going to sit this one out. So keep your eyes out for for news on on Saturday afternoon, because that's that's a big one for um, whether or not Allen is going to be available. So at the very least. We'll know by Saturday if they have called up Barkley. And if they didn't, then that probably means Allen will be good enough to be one of the top two quarterbacks. But if they do, then it doesn't necessarily rule out Josh Allen from playing in the game. They could always uh, use a practice squad elevation on Matt Barkley and then make him game day inactive if they feel good enough about Josh Allen. But it at least gives them the opportunity to rest Josh Allen outright rather than um, go into a game with just one quarterback or uh, have him be the primary backup. So we'll see by then which way the Bills are leaning. But yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky situation because the Bills have not given much of anything. The uh, Case Keenum has been... The guy leading them in practice, uh, you know, Josh Allen has played more of a in the background role. At least he did on Wednesday and Thursday. So now it's just a matter of if he can get there because he's he's one of those guys on the roster where I don't think that they believe he needs to practice during the week um, in order to play. He's one of the the exceptions to the rule because normally they like to get guys with at least one game but Allen has total control of the offense the offense revolves around him and he could probably fit into the game plan he's probably a part of creating the game plan and everything like that so a big goal we'll see and obviously um, if some news comes down as to Either his practice status or his uh, or his game status. I'll I'll be sure to update the situation in the middle of this episode. So I guess where we go next is how things would look with Case Keenum at the helm, because I think there's a bit of a I don't know it, there's a bit of an ins- uncertainty about him and what this Bills team would look like with him at the helm. It's obviously a downgrade. You you don't go from one of the best quarterbacks in the league to his backup and not expect 
there to be some growing pains or some things that you can't accomplish that you are usually able to. But I do think that this Bills team on the whole, if they were to be, if it was going to be a Case Keenum game, I feel like they're being a little underrated, if if I'm quite honest. This Bills squad is one of the deepest, if not the deepest, 53-man roster in the entire league. And yes, I know Micah Hyde, out for the year. And Jordan Poyer, not available in this game. Greg Rousseau, not available in this game. But they have so much talent at so many positions. And a lot of, some of their weaknesses that they had early in the season have started to round into form. Like, I th- I've thought the offensive line has really improved since that beginning of the season. And I feel like they're playing much better now than they were when we first saw them, when they were trying to figure out who they were. In terms of both run blocking and pass blocking, things have really kind of settled in for them. It's not like a great offensive line, but it's it's one that will do well enough for whichever quarterback is back there. And of course, you know, the receiver position has come under fire a little bit. I've been a big proponent of, you know, seeing what else is out there besides Isaiah McKenzie as the third receiver, but I still think Stefan Diggs, obviously, he's an elite receiver. Gabe Davis, I still think, can be a good receiver in the system, regardless of the quarterback. And then, um, you know, they just have to figure things out from there. But the defense, like Milano, Sean McDermott said today that he's going to be uh, looking like he's going to be good to go. Tremaine Edmonds practiced on Friday, even, even though he sat out on Wednesday and Thursday. I think... Well, my guess is that Edmonds will be good to go. That's what I have in my I have him up from my projected inactives. So if they could get both those guys, that would be a huge thing. And then from there, you have what I think is potential for Tredavious White's debut this weekend. Now, I'm not speaking in certainties by any by any stretch of the imagination. Um this week over at The Athletic, I did a, an article. Usually I do a five thoughts leading up to the Bills game. This time around, since we're at the midway point, I did five predictions for the rest of the season. And my first prediction was that Tredavious White would make his debut against the against the Vikings. There's a, there's a couple of different reasons for that. Um, one, I think he's ready. Or he looks like he's ready. It looks like he's confident in his movements. Uh, certainly... Not the, I guess it doesn't look hesitant out there and he's zipping around. And I even spoke with uh, Dean Marlowe after one of the practices this week and chatted with him about coming back and everything like that. But also in, uh, I asked him what, what he saw from Tredavious and, you know, just even in the, the two weeks that Dean Marlowe has been here, he, he like was taken aback and was like, whoa, Trey moving around really well um so it it seems like he's checking off boxes left and right went through the the full pregame warm-up last week before being uh labeled a healthy scratch but i do think this is a this is a spot where you know they can control it a little bit it's on their home turf they know their home turf uh he can kind of build himself up 
over these next few weeks before they get to a big game against the Patriots on the road on Thursday, December 1st, and then all the division games after that. I really think that this is a good opportunity because he has been able to get through practices um, all the way through. It seems like it would make a lot of sense. And then you add in the piece of Kair Elam, the rookie, might not play in this game. Didn't look like he was practicing on Friday. Did not have his helmet in the stretch line. He was wearing uh, regular sneakers, not cleats, like I mentioned before. So if he's down, then that creates an obvious need. But I don't even know that they would just do it out of necessity and out of convenience. Whenever they make him active for the first time, it's going to be because they feel he's ready to go. And everything that I've seen throughout the week kind of indicates that he should be good to go. Just like from a making cuts, movements, um, you know, uh, why can't I think of the term? Uh, his his uh, dropping back. Sorry, had a brain fart there. Tredavious White is, it seems like to me, like right on the precipice of being able to return. So we'll see if it comes true. But if he if he plays, and this is building to the point that, that I had about Case Keenum. If he plays, that's just another piece to the puzzle here of why they are so deep and why they can still do pretty well even though Josh Allen is not or might not be available to them. I think that, uh, you know, if Tredavious White was able to play, I would not be surprised if he gets a, a lot, a high percentage of the snaps, maybe even a full game. You know, there there is a thought to platoon him in his first game back just to get him more acclimated. Maybe they do that a little bit, but... I don't know. It just kind of feels like when he's back, he's going to be back. Maybe, maybe not all the way, but close to. So we'll see there. But if Tredavious White can play and Matt Milano it seems like he's good to go. Tremaine Edmonds looks um, could could play after he practiced on Friday. Got the talent of the defensive line up front. I think this Bills defense is now, and the safeties are a concern. Jaquan Johnson did not play well last week, and he's been really disappointing in in his couple of starts, if we're being honest. Uh, And I'm sure the Bills are not exactly, you know, they hope that Poyer will be back. It's the way that, before too long, I should say. But outside of that, the defense looks like in a prime spot, especially, you know, it's cliche, but backs against the wall. We've talked for years about how these guys just relish the underdog role and they just, they want to be counted out by people. They want so badly to be counted out by people. It just doesn't happen anymore because they are the ones that everyone is bringing their best shot to this year because they have the most, one of the most talented, if not the most talented entire rosters in the NFL. 
you know, leading up to games, there have been coaches that said that have said this is going to be the most complete team they go up against all season. It all leads to it where this defense, it might have to turn back the clock to 2019 mode. But having the depth of talent and the high-end talent to potentially steal games from a defensive perspective, like if they hold a team under 20 points, that puts any offense, any somewhat competent offense in a position to win that game. And Case Keenum, with the weapons that he would have on offense, if he were to have to play in this game, he can most definitely engineer a few scoring drives to get them past the 20-point plateau. I think that is very much within the range of outcomes. So it's really just a, a point of how does it look? What what would they how would they try to operate their offense? What would Ken Dorsey try to do with, with Case Keenum? I think it would be a, a, a good opportunity, not for like zone read stuff, but I don't think you have to take RPOs out, out of the game. I, I think that can still be a piece of the offense because I do think there will be a little bit more of a um, penchant to run and to line up under center, potentially setting up play action if the run game is competent enough. This could set up for a a pretty nice spot for a guy like Devin Singletary, or maybe they want to work in James Cook and Naheem Hines a little bit more. But that I feel like that's got to be the formula. The uh, Bills injury report just came out. And Josh Allen was labeled as limited for uh, practice on Friday. So that means he got uh, a little bit of a a practice in. Um, and is labeled questionable for the game. So just... <laughs> Just another layer to it, as we talked about at the beginning. Like, what is going to happen in this game? Still probably feel like that they'll err on the side of caution, but I think all bets are off at this point. My guess is that Allen won't play, but if Keenum has to play, then... Or, or if they deem him good to, be, good to go, then there's a... I mean, he'll he'll be out there. They 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 know him well enough that that and if they feel comfortable enough in it, then then they'll put him out there. So just another little layer to the situation. Regardless, back to Keenum. Now that we have the last piece of information um, about Josh Allen leading up to the game. Well, not the last. Remember, Matt Barkley, if he's called up or gets the practice squad elevation on Saturday then that means there's at least a chance that Josh Allen will not be able to play. Anyway, so if Keenan plays, I would I would expect RPOs, uh, runs uh, from under center, setting up play action. I think the RPO game could be especially um, 
conducive to what they're trying to do because I think one of Keenum's strengths is uh, the short to intermediate accuracy over the middle of the field. And I think those opportunities could still be there with Stefan Diggs winning off the line of scrimmage or finding that soft spot in the zone because the Vikings are mostly a zone defense. But in general, I don't think the Bills should want Keenum to try and push the ball to the boundaries deep. You know, deep outs, I think, you know, 10-yard outs are fine and everything like that. But um, go balls, deep outs, like 15, 20 yards down the field, I think those are opportunities for turnovers for the other team. So that's why I think a lot of these, you know, the short game is going to be very important. Maybe there's more um, passes to the members of the backfield. Maybe they incorporate Hines and Cook a little bit more from that perspective. So I, I think they have to shift their philosophy just a little bit, but still they can be a, a pass-heavy unit. They just need to run the ball more effectively is is what it all boils down to. And, and that's really the way that this whole thing has kind of been leaning anyway because of how things devolved against the Jets and how they took the running game basically out of their game plan in the second half and the Jets could just sit in that too high look and say, okay, try throw deep ball. We'll, we'll, we'll almost pick it off. And we'll frustrate you the whole way through. So that's the way this thing has been kind of leaning. So big, big game for the offensive line if Keenum has to play or when Keenum has to play at some point this season if it happens. And then play action from under center. I think those are two huge keys to what this whole thing could look like. So... Yeah, still a lot to uncover before we get to Sunday, but there's at least a chance that Josh Allen plays. That's at least into uh, the conversation now as we get uh, closer to kickoff. All right, uh, we will get to my prediction, uh, and it's uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hypotheticals involved, but going to break down the matchup a little bit, how the Bills could uh, operate against this Vikings team, uh, where the Vikings are strongest, where there might be some liabilities, everything like that. So we'll get to all of that right after this. All right, so it's time for the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour with the Bills going up against the Vikings. Like I mentioned throughout the, the first half hour of the show, we do not know whether or not Josh Allen is going to play at this point in time. He is questionable for the game after getting in a limited session, according to the team. Did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. We did not actually see him throw a ball uh, at all this week. So, to be determined. But what we can analyze is how the, the rest of the Bills match up against what the Vikings are bringing to the table. And two big injuries came through for the Vikings. They will be without uh, one of their top defensive linemen, Dalvin Tomlinson, and they'll also be without uh, starting cornerback Cameron Dantzler. So those are two huge injuries to their defense, and especially for a team that plays as much zone as they do and they don't really blitz all that often, I think those injuries in the, by themselves are, are pretty significant to what the Bills could be up against this coming weekend. So when I look at how the Bills um, could match up with the Vikings, I think the way that I look at the Vikings is they are they have some extremely good high-end talent. Like wide receiver Justin Jefferson is incredible, one of the best receivers in the league. 
their starting offensive tackles in Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill are both very good at what they do, and and they have had a very good season so far this year. And it's going to be a, a, really a, a good matchup wherever Von Miller lines up uh, working against one of those two guys. Dalvin Cook is also a, a good runner. Don't know if he's still the same guy as he was when he was one of the best in the league, but still very good nonetheless. And then on defense, there are two pass rushers in Danielle Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Uh, excellent players. And their safety, Harrison Smith, is also uh, super good at what he does. So really high-end talent. But I think the they make up for some of the weaknesses throughout their starting lineups. Like I mentioned the two offensive tackles. Those guys are tremendous. They're, they're really good, but the interior offensive line for the Vikings is susceptible to not only getting beaten in pass protection, but you know, they, they're not necessarily a potent run blocking unit. Then you look at the defensive side of things. The, the edges are great and they're really good at getting up the field and forcing some disharmony in the backfield. But I think without a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson on the field, this is an a an interior defensive line that the Bills will be able to push around a little bit. And, you know, namely former Bills player Harrison Phillips is on that side of things. So I think if the Bills had to go with Case Keenum in this game, or even if they didn't, I think it's regardless of the quarterback. I think the Bills will be in a spot where they can run the ball against this Vikings team without Dalvin Tomlinson on the field. I do expect them to um, to have some more success than they did and maybe a renewed focus on, on doing that just so they can set up their passing game a little bit more. Not saying it's going to be a uh, 65-35 run to pass split. I still think this is going to be a, a pass-first team regardless of the quarterback. But that running game and, and establishing potential dominance on the interior is going to be really important for them. And without Dantzler, that, that brings in um, a backup in Evans. Uh, you know, Patrick Peterson is still a good player, but he's up there in age at, at the other cornerback spot. They've got uh, Sullivan in at nickel that uh, I think can, can be taken advantage of as well. So I, it's really going to be a huge thing for them to be able to defend the edges well enough because I do think the Bills have a talented enough group to move the ball on this Vikings team with or without Josh Allen. Now, it's not going to be an every drive thing without Allen. There's going to be some some growing pains. There's some deficiencies that Case Keenum has that uh, Josh Allen you know, possesses that he makes up for. But uh, I do think that, um, that this Bills offense should be able to move the ball regardless. On defense, I think there's going to be a big opportunity for the interior pass rushers of the Bills to make Kirk Cousins panic a bit more. You know, the, the, the Vikings have done a nice job of not allowing their, their interior three to become too much of an issue throughout the season. But I don't know that they have gone up against the level of depth outside of the Philly game, I would say that they lost 
the level of depth on the interior defensive line that they will against the Bills. So Ed Oliver, I think, has a has a great chance to, you know, have his name heard, maybe get his first sack of the season. Jordan Phillips, I think, has an opportunity for a great game because those three interior guys, um, you've got Ed Ingram, who is the weak link of of the trio at uh, at right guard. And then you've got Garrett Bradbury, who I believe was a first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. And he just hasn't, like, become that upper echelon center that maybe they had hoped he would. And then uh, Ezra Cleveland, who kicked inside from offensive tackle where he was originally drafted, and he's been playing left guard. But those three guys, I think, are susceptible to getting beat in pass protection. And if the Bills can manufacture some good stunts off the line of scrimmage and everything like that. I think, I think there's some opportunities there to make cousins sweat a little bit and certainly, you know, gum up the, the rushing lanes to you know make the, the Vikings a bit more one-sided, but then it comes to what do you do with Justin Jefferson? Because that dude, there's just, there's not a lot of guys like him in the league. He is an outstanding talent. I think he's going to get his yards and catches. You can't play off. The Packers learned that the hard way because, you know, he's just going to settle in and Cousins will look for him all the time. Even when Justin Jefferson is covered, fully covered. If it's a one-on-one opportunity, he's giving Jefferson the opportunity to go up and get the ball. And Jefferson does a lot. So I don't know if it's if it's necessarily one of those things that they're just going to be able to outright stop Justin Jefferson. I think it might be more of an NBA-style approach knowing that, okay, this guy is probably going to get his his catches and yards, but it's disallowing that from becoming too overboard. Maybe some stops here and there rather than, you know, thinking that you're just going to shut him down completely. Is it possible? Sure. Why not? I mean, he's had some bad games in the past, but I do think uh, that they should go into it with a healthy level of self-awareness that this is a a really smartly schemed offense by their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, and it's probably going to result into some yards and catches for Justin Jefferson. It's just going to be a part of life. The rest of it, I think is limiting the rest of the passing offense pieces to where, you know, they're just a completely one-dimensional passing offense going entirely through Justin Jefferson as opposed to, you know, mixing in Hawkinson and, and Adam Thielen who pops for a big play every now and again, even though he's up there in his career. Um, K.J. Osborne making sure he, you know, stays the distant fourth receiver that that he has been uh, since, well, in the one week that they had Hawkinson. So, and we've seen the Bills in the past going up against some really good players, just like seeding those those catches. I mean, Cooper Cup had a great game against the Bills, but no one remembers that Cooper Cup had a great game against the Bills because the Bills blew out the, the Rams. The rest of the operation for the Rams were just not good outside of what cup was able to do. So maybe because it is a very similar style, maybe um, how they picked their poison, so to speak against the Rams has some crossover to what, uh, what the bills are going to try to do against Jefferson and, 
and the Vikings. So, but he's great. There's no doubt. Um, stopping the run is going to be a big thing for for them and being able to limit what Dalvin Cook does. If they can do that, I think they got a good shot. So we'll uh, we'll see if that's that's the piece of it. But this game, um, the line has been all over the map, as you could imagine, with the uncertainty about Josh Allen. You know, early in the week, it was like seven, seven and a half. And then as soon as they announced that Allen wouldn't practice, it went down to three and a half. Uh, that's where it is right now. I'm talking to you on Friday, November 11th, 3.16 p.m. Eastern, I should add. And the Bills are favored by three and a half points. The total on the game is 43. So who wins? Who covers? And what about the over-under? I, regardless of the quarterback that is out there, I think the Bills are a better team than the Vikings. I think the Vikings are a little bit hollow after their stars. And I think the Bills and their depth of talent, especially if they have Milano, Edmonds, and maybe even Tredavious White out there, should be able to give this Vikings offense a lot of trouble in being able to put up a bunch of points. And then the weather is going to be a piece of the puzzle potentially. I just flat out, I think I think the Bills are a better team than the Vikings. And I think the Bills can win a game against the Vikings regardless of their record if Josh Allen does not play in this game. So I'm going to take the Bills to win outright. And I'm going to take uh, the Bills to cover the three and a half. You know, if it was still seven and a half, then I would, you know, be hemming and hawing here a little bit. But um, I'm going to take the Bills to cover that because I really like um, the potential for the the Bills defense to frustrate the Vikings offense. And maybe it's not Justin Jefferson, but maybe it's the rest of the group. And force Kirk Cousins into some quick throws and bad decisions, which he has been prone to do from time to time. So Bills to win, Bills to cover. And I'm going to take the under in this game because still too much uncertainty. If I knew Josh Allen was going to play, obviously, I would probably hit the over with 43 and a half. But um, I think there is an opportunity here for the defense to outright win this game for the Bills and then the Bills offense to do enough to be able to win this game. So I, the final score that I, that I came down with was 23-17 Bills and them getting to 7-2, and two, heading into uh, another home game with the Cleveland Browns the following week. All right, so that is my prediction for the game. Like I said, uh, a couple of times in the episode, if you're listening to this before Saturday afternoon, a good indicator for Josh Allen as to at least their feelings 24 hours out or a little under 24 hours out is if they use a practice squad elevation on Matt Barkley. If they do not, they're probably feeling good about Josh Allen's chances. It's a promising sign. If they do, it doesn't mean that Josh Allen is out. It means that they are at least preparing for the possibility that Allen does not play or is not ready to play in the game. Because they can always call up Matt Barkley and then just make him inactive if they feel like Allen can play. But if they do call him up, that adds another level of skepticism as to whether or not Josh Allen will play in the game. But like I said, 
even if it's Case Keenum, I think the Bills can win this game. I just, I don't know that the Vikings are as good as their record indicates. They're better on film than I thought they would be because they've had so many close wins and a lot of those, a lot of times those close games are just super random. So they do, they are talented. They're well coached. They're well schemed. But I ultimately, I think they're not as good as that seven and one standing. And they've had a lot of good fortune in who's been injured down along this along the way. So we will see what happens with Josh Allen with the Bills and if they're able to uh, get a win after losing at MetLife Stadium against the Jets last weekend. All right, so that'll do it for me. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. I will talk with you after the game on Sunday when the Bills are up against the Vikings, and we will see if Josh Allen plays and how it looks if he does not and whether or not the Bills are able to win one way or the other. So a lot to get to, I'm sure, uh, for the postgame. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you after the game. See you then.